0: Welcome everybody to the Skill Development Playbook podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ. Season five, episode number eight. I interview Sam Allen of Blue Collar Basketball out of Atlanta, and he is also part of the point guard college family. Uh, this is a really good, really good interview. Um, we got a chance to talk about his philosophy. He gave me five skills he felt like players should should all learn, and and how they should develop those skills. We talked about the difference between a workout trainer and a, and a development trainer. Not saying that, that that one is just better than the other, but just the differences between those two and, and what parents should should understand and what parents should know um, when they're hiring a whether they're hiring a trainer or a workout trainer or a skill development trainer or a workout trainer for their for their child. Um, And we also had an interesting conversation on youth players that use their weekend on layups. He had an interesting take on that. Um, He's, he's experiencing that with two youth teams that he's coaching. And he asked me my opinion on, and I shared with him my thoughts on that. And so we just, we just had a really good conversation. Um, Now I gotta be honest with everybody. I actually made a mistake. Um, When, when we were interviewing, I use Zoom for the to record the the interview, so I can have some audio and video. And while he was talking, I you know we had started the the interview process, and he told me what his thoughts were on skill development and how important it is to the game of basketball. And then he got into his philosophy. Then I look up and I realized I wasn't recording the the podcast, the interview. So this is about five minutes into it. And so I, I, he didn't know this. I didn't say anything to him. I just hit the record button. So when I play the interview, he will be in pretty much in in middle of his thought, uh, talking about his philosophy on skill development. So we didn't really miss a whole lot. Um, you, only thing I didn't record was you know what his background was, his his coaching journey. You know he coached eight years of of college basketball. Got into he started blue collar and he got connected with with point guard college. Um, so it it starts kind of in the middle of a, of his thought on his philosophy, but uh, we really get into the meat of it. The really the, the the really good part of the of the podcast is it is recorded. He doesn't even know that I didn't even say anything to him. So, um, but when I when I play it and he'll be talking right in right in the middle of a sentence. I want y'all to understand why that is. So I made a mistake. Um, so, that you know, that's my fault. That's my bad on that. Um, but before I before I play the interview, I want everybody to know my, my book, the skill development playbook is available for purchase. You can you can find it on Amazon if you if you search the skill development playbook It's available as a paperback for nine ninety nine. And it's also a Kindle version that you can download that is three ninety nine. If you want to buy it from my website, you can go to tjonesfirm.com forward slash SDP hyphen book. And all the information comes up about the book, uh, testimonials from different coaches, uh, information on the book, what to expect from reading the book. The book is 10 chapters. It's about 80 to 81 pages. It's an easy read. It's not a drill book, but it does have different things like terminology. You should know how to give feedback. The difference between working out and training. A lot of stuff that we talk about on the podcast with different coaches. Um, so if you buy it from my website, again, the paperback is $9.99. Or you can purchase the PDF version to download for download. And thats three ninety five. is $3.95. And again, you can find it on tjonesfirm.com forward slash SDP hyphen book. All right, so let's get it started. Here is the interview that I did with Coach Sam Allen of Blue Collar Basketball and also Point Guard College.
1: And everybody has different definitions of the fundamentals of the game. I don't – I don't, you know, fundamentals to me is a boring. Like, if you want to be a player, like the greatest players ever, they master the boring stuff, mm. like how to catch and shoot, how to, you know – you think about a Kobe Bryant, somebody as masterful as a, as a player and skill, whether you like him or not, but like master footwork, master skill, right? Well, he he could do one or two things really well. And then when he became great at that, he could advance on to the next thing. And I, so with our players, we work with players I work with, is I want to build a good foundation of footwork, of finishing with both hands, of handling, you know, ball handling both hands. When I say ball handling, TJ, I'm referring to dribbling and passing.
0: Yeah.
1: Dribbling and passing. Um, And, you know, then shooting the ball. Like, you got to be able to do those things. And I would say the greatest skill, and I I know I'm bleeding into another part of your, some of your questions you have here. I think the greatest skill and the most overlooked one, though, is this, competing. I think that's a part of skill development. Is Competing is a skill, in my opinion. Yeah. Because I'm sure you've worked with players who are great against the chair, phenomenal against the cone,
0: yeah.
1: you put them out there yeah. in a game, and and there's no transfer. Yeah. No transfer. But they, they look great. They're very coachable. They work hard. But they don't transfer because they, they don't know how to compete. They don't know how to go against a defender. Yeah. which ties into another component of skill development. So yeah. I, think, I think a lot of skill development is just you think of Instagram and the, the guys or the girls going and, you know, making these phenomenal moves and there's nobody guarding them. I think skill development you got to have we, – when we do in-season, like right now we don't do a lot of man-on-man or woman-on-woman um, training because we want to reduce risk of injury. And I want to honor their high school, college, or middle school coaches so we don't want to send them back hurt. So we just do a lot of on-air. But I think in a true skill development setting, you're doing skills on-air, then you're competing and testing them. Hey, we're going to work on catch and shoot or shot, fake, one dribble, uh, pull-ups or shot, fake, get to the rim and finish. Well, we want to work on those skills, then we immediately want to to test them one-on-one hey, now we're going to play one-on-one, you got three dribble max. One-on-one, you got five seconds to score, three seconds to score. And then when they test, oh, I I don't catch ready to shoot. Oh, I I, I finished one out of seven layups on the left-hand side against defense. Now we can go back and maybe train the the skill more. And then we come back and we test. So – we use a lot of competing as skill development, because and this will be my last point, I'll turn it back to you. You know what I think sometimes the best skill development is? What's that? Pick up basketball. Mm, yeah, pickup. I'm sure that's what you. Did. That's what I did. Yeah. I didn't have a skill development coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I went and hooped. I played it. I played at the YMCA, five minutes from my house, and when you lose. You, you go off and you wait 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. That's not like old, oh, that's not like, oh, today's kids. That's not a today's kids comment. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I think we can draw from those experiences, and, and I think there should be more free play. And I'm, I raise my hand, you know, you, me and you both were skill development coaches, and we can overtrain players and not let them, they just need to go to a gym and free play sometimes.
0: Yep. I know um, a couple years back, I had a young lady. We were doing some stuff, and she would do good, like you say, on air, you know, against the cone, against the chair. And so just – it just hit me to just, okay, let's just play a little one-on-one. I'm going to play guided defense, really. I'm not going to play all-out defense, but I just want to see what you can do. Yeah. And I gave her the ball, and she just stood there, and I said, all right, I'm ready. And she said, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and, and to me, I just felt like the biggest failure – Mm-hmm. because i'm like okay here it is we've been spending time working on this and i'm telling her we're gonna play one-on-one and she has no clue of what to do we worked on jab steps out of triple thread you know catching and shooting and, and all these different things but as soon as i got in front of her she didn't know what to do i was just like just make a move and she dribbled once or twice and picked it up and say now what am i supposed to do and i was just like oh my goodness so the the plan part of that um I tell players all the time and use that as a measuring stick, you know, like you were saying, just just measure. Just go out there and play and, and if it's if it's not working, let me know about it and we'll come back and we'll work on it some more. But I know when I was in junior high high school, I played with with grown men. And yeah. and it was it was a learning process. I understood that because I was undersized, if I'm five, seven, I can't get to the rim and shoot a layup over a guy that's six seven that can jump out the gym. So those guys would tell me, hey, you got to learn to shoot a pull-up. So I had to develop a pull-up jump shot. I had to develop a floater. Um, I had to be able to handle ball versus pressure, all those different things um, to be able to even be on the court with those guys. And then when I played against kids my age, it was, it was, it was a lot easier for me at that time. Yeah,
1: I think the, that's an, it's an important point to reiterate, is the game is just the test. Like, we have travel ball teams here in Atlanta, and what we say, like, we're going to go play a tournament, and we want to win, sure, we want to compete, but, like, more important now, that, we want to get better. And we're going to come out of the tournament, we're going to know, it's like taking your car into the car shop, auto shop. You're going to take the tire, check the tire pressure, check the oil, like, you got to test, you take it in, test it out, then you see what's needed and then you fix it. And that should be like an never ending cycle from a from a youth player, middle school, all the way to professional player. Use the game if you're a student of the game and you dissect your performance as an individual and as a team and you go back and you work on those skills. It's you know, it's like Kawhi Leonard, he regarded as maybe the best player in the world by some today. Well, you know, six years ago he couldn't shoot the three. He came out of San Diego State, like, a 24% three-point shooter. And then, like, three years ago, before that injury season with the Spurs, like, at one time, he was leading the league in three-point percentage at, like, 46%.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he had to learn. He had to improve those
1: aspects of his game.
0: Yeah. um, I think sometimes with some of these younger players, they're they're looking at AAU in summer. the, the wrong way. They're not looking at it as a chance to to like you say measure. It's like that is their their apex. That's like the thing that they're wanting. And I'm saying to myself, you, you right. gotta look at that as a as as your time to get better. You spend time in the gym working on your shooting off the dribble or or, or your defense or whatever. You go to a tournament, how did you do I didn't do as well as I thought I did, so now I need to go back in the gym and, and work, on those, work on those skills. Yep. So, speaking of those skills, what are some skills that you feel like, and I know this is a broad question, yeah. we can go with any age, but what are some skills you think every player needs to work on consistently and, and then talk a little bit about how they should develop those skills?
1: Yeah, so I think I mentioned earlier, one is, is competing. that's a non-traditional skill, but in my book, that's the most important skill. And how do you develop it? You let kids compete one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five games. Um, Sometimes free play, sometimes limitations, no dribble, one dribble, two dribble. Sometimes um, when you pass, you got to cut. Sometimes when you pass, you got to go ball screen. Sometimes you pass, you screen away. You learn how to play without the ball. Majority of the games played without the ball,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so competing's number one, and then what order of operation these next ones are—the next four—I'll give you. I, you know, I don't know that one is more important than the other, but shooting, which you know, I, I love what Steph Curry I think has done for the game in the last five, six years. He's put a premium back on shooting. Yeah. Uh, I would say back in the late 90s to early 2000s you know it was about athleticism and like a lot, of dude, a lot of guys were I'm speaking on the men's side right now but it was like stronger faster and I, I, I'm a big believer in the weight room but skill took a, a bit of a dip I think mm-hmm. and I think that's a little bit why you saw in the 92 Olympics the US won by 36 points a game 12 years later we get the bronze medal in 2004. Yeah. And, it, and it, this is a very general – like, this, it's more to unpack than I'm, what I'm doing. But um, I think we're at a, at a place where shooting's at a premium. I mean, God, I mean, more threes are being taken than ever. Like, the Rockets took 45 threes a game last year. Now there's, like, multiple teams taking more threes. And there's real analytics. And, you know, regardless of where how you feel in analytics, there's some analytics – a lot of analytics would support that, you know, a deep three is better than a pull-up that's a whole nother discussion whether you know the pull-up mid-range game is dying or there's a place for it so one competing two shooting three is passing I think that is one of the most undertaught underdeveloped skills um passing the basketball and it's not just the skill of passing but it's the decision of when to pass how to make the pass on time on target um and so we work I recognize that in our own blue-collar basketball skill development over the last few years that we've got to work on it with players. We we both give them tools to work on their own, like passing against a wall and then also passing with a partner and then passing on live um, action off, off the move. Uh, four is finishing. That's a four skill, I would say, is finishing around the rim. Knowing – being able to do it with both hands but then, like – you know why and when, and this is a, that's a big part of skill development that probably lacks with, you know, workout guys versus player development guys. And then fifth is um, decision making, your ability to make the right decision. Because skills, again, you can put on you go go to YouTube and and learn how to do the Harden step back, but you don't know why James Harden does it. You don't know why Kyrie, you know did a cross or did a between the leg crossover, um, then you're just doing it to do it. Like you don't yeah. you know, you know, you get like shooting's a decision too. You don't just shoot. Like why are you shooting? And so in decision makings, you know, what what do the best playmakers have in common? They they have a lot like who are the best playmakers in the world? LeBron and mm-hmm. Hart and Steph, like whoever you want and girls side you can go there. Most of them probably not a hundred percent, but a high percentage, you would say, they're really smart players. Yeah. Why are they smart players? Cause they know how to make good decisions. Why do they make good decisions? Well, that's another, like I think you can train decision-making and um, how to make the right read. So those, those are the five skills I would, I would say, and we're probably leaving out a couple.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it comes down to, you know, the age of the kids uh you know, yeah coaches philosophy um you know their core values and all that um but those are all good i mean those and are let, good.
1: let me ask you this one though to you actually this would be good what what um ages of players do you work with
0: um I've had them as young as uh six years old, and um I've had them up to you know college um uh, some pro pro level players I don't yeah. work with a lot of pro players. But majority of the kids that I work with are that fifth, sixth grade level through about ninth grade, 10th grade level. Uh, yeah. So,
1: yeah. Okay. That's good context. So th- this has been, I've been vibing rapping on this for a little bit. Like um, right now coaching a fourth and a fifth grade team. Youth basketball is new for me in the last, uh, my I've got a 10 and eight year old boys. And so I started coaching them. I told them I'd only coach them if they asked me to. And so, I'm learning a lot about like coaching youth basketball. One thing is, you got to be patient. You (laughs) got to have a lot of fun. You got to learn how to make practices fun. And it's a challenge for me. Like I, I think basketball is fun, Um, but so I I have to structure my practices different so that there's more games. My my question for you is this: I've been working on my fourth graders and my fifth graders on weak-handed layups, weak-handed layups. And unfortunately, we, our fourth grade and fifth grade are playing in a league where they're 10-foot goals, which I really don't think they should be playing in 10-foot. I think they should be nine feet because very few of them can shoot a natural shot from three and they don't have the strength. Um, And so but they really struggle from a strength perspective to get it up to a 10 foot rim, even with their weak hand. And we do it every, every practice. And I've just been wondering if I should change my approach and just right now, because of the strength issue is just say, get really good at making their dominant hand on both sides of the rim. I'm seeing improvement. And with our fifth graders, they can actually do it better. My fourth graders, um, I mean, we've been practicing now for – we've had probably eight practices and, and they're still, they still miss more, way more than they make. Would you what, – what are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, I've never thought of it in that sense. But this, this is something that I tell. I, I've told my daughter this. My daughter is third grade. Okay. She plays in the league and she plays in the league, She's getting ready to start in the league. that They do play on a nine-foot goal. Uh, but it's third through fifth grade, third through fifth grade, and they do play on a nine-foot goal. But when she plays in the Boys and Girls Club League, which is here locally, they play on a 10-foot goal. So she practices a lot on a 10-foot goal, but she don't shoot no further than about nine by 10, 11 feet out from the goal. But this is what I've told her. I said, now, when you're in the game, I want you to try to use your left hand. Mm-hmm. But if you're competing and you're and you're trying to win, I, I wouldn't be upset if you used your right hand on the left side. But what I try to do with, with kids that age is not hold them accountable for their misses. Mm-hmm. I just tell them, just use your left hand. Don't worry about if you make it or miss it. Um, and we'll just remove the outcome. I'm not worried about if you if you make it. I've never thought about just telling them to just use their right hand. The one thing about that I would, I would be a little apprehensive on is you still will have to come back later and teach them how to use the left hand and try to break that habit of using the right hand all the time. Um, me personally, I would, just, I would just live with them not being able to get it up there because they're not strong enough, but as long as they're using their left hand, as long as they're using the correct footwork, um, I would go with it that way. but if they're in a the game and they and they say, well coach, you know we were dribbling down, I just shot it with my right hand. I wouldn't. I you know still celebrate them and tell them good job. It just it just takes it's gonna take them some time. My, my daughter tries her best to use her left hand on that on that left side, but she'll shoot every once in a while she'll shoot it and it'll go in but majority of the time she sneaks that right hand in there or it falls short. But the goal at home here at the house, I can lower it down to eight feet, she'll use her left hand. If I put up to eight and a half feet, she'll use her left hand, and she'll probably do it like on nine foot. But I so, just, I just okay. want them to understand how to do it and then let their physical ability later on allow them to, to do it the correct way.
1: Yeah, I, I like what you said. You know, I think it's a good articulation about, hey, we're going to practice it. And, and when we compete in games, I want you to do what's most comfortable. Use your dominant hand. I did a little, little experiment because I, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about this. Um, I'm going to come back to what I was going to say. But there's something you said earlier, too. Like, my truths of, like, five years ago are different than truths today. And yes, I sometimes exactly. cringe when I look back. my skill development coaching you know even when i first started and i think i think did some good stuff and then like as i've grown as a coach even in the last five three two years like i'm always interested to see what you know three years from now looks like yeah um so what i did we we came with the other night my boys were out out shooting um after dinner and i got home from the gym and uh, I was like, hey, let's see if y'all can make five in a row with their can." My My eight-year-old is a, a left-handed player, so he's shooting right-handed layups. And my 10-year-old is a right-handed player, so he's shooting left. And I just was saying, all right, let's see. Well, they never got past three in a row. Mm. And they never got past – I said, all right, let's lower it down to nine feet. Let's see if you can make five. They couldn't make five in a row. And, you know, we spent, you know, those five, seven, eight minutes, something like that. Then I lowered it down to eight feet. Now they, they did it then we started working our way back up to nine. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's truly a strength thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a strength sure. thing. And um, so I think those are all that to say for, I guess, coaches are watching this. And I think, you know, the takeaway for coaches is just, like, always, I think, always be questioning what you're doing and yeah. sort of evaluating and seeing, like, don't do it because you saw another coach. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll share this story. This is maybe 10 years ago. I heard an NBA coach at a clinic. And um, he said, 10 toes to the rim, 10 fingers to the sky when you're shooting, like catch the ball. I was like, and he was a smart guy. Like he, if I said his name, like everybody on here would know who he is. And he's very well respected. And I thought, okay, that's a good idea. Well, as I've grown as a coach over the last several years, it's not how I teach shooting. I, I've watched the best shooters in the world. I studied myself from a biomechanical, from physio, physiology standpoint, and most players don't line up all ten toes to the rim. You mm-hmm. line up your shooting shoulder, or if you're left, you're left. And um, and so I, I learned. I've learned over the years. Don't do something because it's a respected true. coach does it. Yep. Like question it. And know why – don't do that drill because you saw it on YouTube. No, why are you doing that drill? If you don't know why you're doing it, then it's probably time to cut it. Because yeah. if you don't know why you're doing it, your, your players you're teaching definitely don't know why. So I think it's really good to start there.
0: Yeah. In, in my book, I actually talk about that. Um, I wrote a book on skill development. I talk about when, you, when you're looking at drills, if, if I see you on YouTube doing a drill – I got to figure out why you're doing that drill. Mm -hmm. A lot of times coaches do stuff specifically for a player or for their team or for their system. And even though it looks cool, even though it looks really good um, it's got to fit. It's got to fit my objective or my goal that I have with the player or players that I may be working with. So we got to ask those questions. And um, I've seen some really good drills from some really great coaches, but you know, I may not have a player that's, they can, do that particular drill. I may not need to. Um, so that's, that's, that's really important for to understand what we're doing. All right. So now what I want to get into real quick is something I'm real passionate about. Uh, the difference between working out and training. Um, this is something I've really been talking about a lot, probably the past two years. Um, to me, the difference between those two working out, you don't have a plan, you don't get any feedback. Um, it's just kind of a, fly-off-the-handle type deal Uh, sometimes with players. They don't really know what they're going to do. They just know they're going to go to the gym and work on their game. Then when it comes to training, you have a plan. You get some type of feedback, whether you're getting feedback from a coach or a mentor or even keeping your own stats of how you're shooting. So let's talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts on the difference between working out and training or training slash development.
1: Yeah. I was talking in a recent podcast interview uh, about this very topic. So I think there's a huge difference and I think there's value in both. I think there's value in both. Um, But let's, let's be clear on what you're doing and when families and parents and kids go to the trainer, like know what you're getting into, know where you're putting your money and your time. So a workout guy or a workout coach, I don't want to call it limited to guys, workout coach just gets the the shirt sweaty, do a lot of drills, and, yeah, they they worked out. It might have been tough. It might have been good from a conditioning standpoint. They might have got a lot of reps in. Again, these are valuable things, in my opinion. A development um, program, a development workout, a development coach, I think has more long-term vision. There's a clear plan as to what we're going to get better at. Um, There's teaching the why behind the what. There's teaching the when you use this move. And usually workout is just like, yeah, they get a sweat going. And there's a distinct difference. And, And again, there is value in both. And Sometimes I might run a more of a workout. Yeah. But we're clear. We're clear on that's what we're doing. Hey, we're just going to get a lot of shots up, and there might be some some small teaching points. Um, this would be a more advanced player who I don't need to you know break down. Like I've worked with them a lot, or this group of players, they know. You know, we're we're just trying to get better at a specific skill.
0: Right. right.
1: I can pause there. I can keep going on that, but I, I don't no. want to pause for any questions.
0: <laughs> no, I, I I I agree with you on that. Um, I think of of the difference between the two as in giving directions versus giving instructions. Mm-hmm. Um, when I give directions in a workout, it's going to be dribble to a cone, change direction, dribble to this cone, shot. And I'm not giving you any details on what it is exactly that you're doing. i not saying that I can't give details or I'm not qualified to give details, but it's more of, Let's get to this cone, get to this cone, finish with this layup or this jump shot, and then let's hustle, get back in the line and let's let's keep the pace going. Whereas when when someone is, is giving instruction, they're like you said, they're giving you that why. They're you to understand the small details, the the placement of your feet, the how you're supposed to do your hips and why you want to finish a certain way and, and depending on how the defense is playing you and all those different types of things. So I'm real huge huge on knowing the difference and knowing what you're getting into. Um, and I think that's gonna help a lot, especially when, when you're talking about a parent that's it's gonna be investing money in, in, in hiring a, a coach to work with their kids.
1: Yeah, and, and TJ, another quote that's important is what John Wooden once said, don't mistake activity for achievement. Yeah. And don't assume you're just in the gym getting better because you're in the gym. Matter of fact, you might you might could be getting worse. You might be developing bad habits. You might be in the gym with a coach who doesn't hold you accountable and you go 50% speed and then you get in a game and you wonder why that move ain't working. Yeah because you, you don't know how to perform at a game speed with with real athletic players that move faster than you, quicker than you, longer than you, jump higher than you, and you're gonna fail. And so, yeah, just being in a gym, working on like be intentional players need to have a plan like what do you want to get better this off season what do you want to get better in this workout big picture small picture macro micro like you've got to have a plan or you're just going to end up wherever you end up
0: yeah and and that and that goes right into the next the next question I was going to ask you about how players should plan or prepare for their for their training because um, I think it's real big. I, I was talking to a girl, a young lady yesterday. She told me that she wanted to get better. I asked her how. She just said, I just want to be able to – I want to be a much better player. And I said, well, let's, let's be a little more specific when we're putting this together so we can have some things that, that, that we can measure. So mm-hmm. when a player is going to work by themselves or even work with a coach, um, how should they kind of plan or prepare um, their their training? Especially yeah. if they're by themselves, if they're by themselves.
1: Well, one one thing we use with our players is a three D philosophy. And three ds is, is um three different D words. And it's dream, direction, and discipline. Dream, direction, discipline. And there's a quote along with that, which is direction and discipline, not intention, determines our destiny and our dreams. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it one more time. Direction and discipline. Mm -hmm. not intention not what we intend to do Mm -hmm. determines our own dreams and our destiny and so most players daydream we all do this as humans we daydream we think about what kind of player could I be Mm -hmm. we have these goals randomly in our head and there's value there's more value in taking these random daydreams and these thoughts in our head and, and letting them go from there to a pen to a paper or from there to the phone and type it in. Now, that's the first step. Now, if that's all you do, it's empty. Like, there's not you're not going to achieve. So the next step is your direction, and direction is the plan. And so, like, you live in Arkansas, I live in Atlanta. If I got on 85 South right now to come see you and do this interview in person, no matter how bad I want I got my bags packed, I'm ready to go. No matter how bad I want to get to Arkansas, I'm not going to make it. 85 South goes to Florida. I'm going the wrong way. I want to do it. I want to be. I want to be a college player. I want to be an all-region. But I'm going the wrong way. I'm, I'm working on the wrong things. I'm working on 14 dribble step backs. I need to work on my weak hand or my be able to hit a free throw. And then so the last piece is discipline. Once you have your goals and your dreams, you got your plan on how you're going to get there. The most important thing, and above those two, is the discipline, the work you put in. And so. That's the key. I mean, do you have – now, I think coaches, trainers, parents, siblings, friends, we can all help each other with discipline, but the greatest discipline is self-discipline. And when we can become self-disciplined, we become pretty unstoppable forces in all phases of life, not just basketball. And uh, then you start developing habits. Habits something you do without thinking about. And when a player can get into habits – so back to your question, pre-practice, where, how do you prepare? Like I I propose most players, don't wait for the workout, prepare for the workout. Yeah, you got to do a workout to get in the workout. So we oftentimes, we have like a first 50 workout that takes, you know, four to seven minutes and they got to make these 50 shots. There's a series of uh, layups and and jumpers and off the dribble shots. And that's our first 50 that we like to do. We call it the price of admission. You got to earn your way into the workout or into the practice. And so that's how, players need to prepare your body you prepare your mind your soul your spirit for work if if you're serious about it if you're not serious about it just just show up now I'm talking about more advanced higher level players TJ I'm not talking about like fourth and fifth graders like they come to gym and I let them play knockout I don't let them play just they play knock they do whatever they do now I sometimes say hey you got to make five layups before we start you know sometimes just to just to give them something to work on and teach them a little bit but you know, I'm talking more advanced players. I think we got to teach those players how to get ready for a workout. I mean, I can get in the car and go to college practice today, and I, I do this often. And I like to get there early and watch a high school or college or whatever level practice. And I like to watch what people do before practice. Usually, the ones that are putting in serious work are the best players because they take it the, the most serious. They they want to get better, um, and so that's and so that's how players should prepare. Coaches, you should have you know, you should have a plan. You should have a plan. What, what, what are the outcomes I'm searching for today? What are the wins of this practice? So I, I on all my practice plans, you know, I, I mean, on this practice plan I have from last week right here, it's like I've got wins of what I want to get better at on, at this practice. And then I, I write the top, and then that's how I build out my plan. I reverse engineer the practice plan and the workout. What do I want to get done? Okay, let's make it happen. And so, you know, most of the time we make it happen. Sometimes we 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 hit on three of the four or two of the three, and we had to sit in on one, and we we had to push the other one until next practice.
0: Yeah. So any player that's out there, if you're if you're not working with a trainer, or working with a coach, don't be afraid to ask a coach or ask a mentor you know, for a help and for advice so so you can be on that right track so you won't be heading on 85 south going to Florida when you're trying to go to Arkansas. <laughs> so, um, but I'm sure there's somebody out there that will, that will help a player and give them some type of direction, even if it's not, you know, totally specific, specific, even if it's just getting you pointed in the right direction. So um, there's somebody out there that helps. you, so don't be afraid to ask. So the last thing I have for you is, you know, we talk about skill development or development of a player. And typically we think of just skill development. But I feel like a complete basketball player includes um, watching film, IQ, uh, sports performance, and then nutrition. And you don't have to be real detailed on these, but let's talk about film real quick just how important that is and and how they can help a player's game uh, elevate when it comes to watching film, breaking down film.
1: Yeah, I mean, great students of the game, they they watch film, of themselves, of others. They, you know, I wouldn't watch – I wouldn't watch uh, Jokic. I wouldn't watch him because that's not my game. He's a seven-footer in the post. I might watch Kimball Walker. I might watch Steph Curry below the rim players. Who are highly skilled because that's me. I didn't. I didn't play above the rim. Mm-hmm. You know, if maybe I was a more athletic wing who wanted to be a a, a no, two way player. I, I didn't even want to take us down this road. I think that's a funny term in basketball. is not everybody supposed to be a two way player?
0: thing out there. I, I I think that is so weird to say that. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but
1: like <laughs> I might watch Paul George, right? Somebody who can shoot it, handle it, um, or Kawhi who can post you, drive you, defend you. You know, like, I want to watch players that are either similar to my game or I aspire to be like within my wheelhouse, you know. And so I'm not going to, you know, I can draw things from Michael Jordan's game because while he's young in his younger days, he did play above the rim and did things no other human being could do. But he also, what's overlooked is he's one of the most fundamental players we've ever had. He might have had the best footwork of all time. He might have been the best post-up player of all time. Might have been the best mid-range shooter of all time. He was probably the best competitor of all time. There are more skilled players, so if I want to know how to compete, which I did, I'm gonna watch MJ. That's that's who I'm gonna learn from because he competed every possession. Um, what was your question? I got off subject there. No, <laughs> no
0: you were saying it just
1: oh, just bounce, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you, yeah, you got to watch film. You got to, you know, I, I'll, I'll TJ. I'll, I'll get out my my phone. I, I carry an iPad to some of my individual workouts, and I'll film it. They never like sometimes like high level seniors in high school have never watched themselves shoot the ball, and so we break down their their film. And I, I use a question method where I'm kind of letting them discover a little bit, and then I'm adding in if they don't find the answer themselves, and I as a coach say. Hey, I want you to watch your feet right here. Hey, look, check your follow through here. So we, we break it down and, and they're like, you see these aha moments. Cause you know, whoever said film, don't lie. Like that's the truth. Film don't lie. And we can all watch from it. And you, we all put a signature on our film every day. So don't tell me what you, who you want to be, like, give me your game tape. Let me put it in. And that, that's who you are. That's who you want to be. And. Um, not in like a gotcha moment, but in like a you know, like an epiphany moment, like this is reality, okay? What do you want to do to change it?
0: Yeah. And I and and players need to understand to to watch film to not for just highlights, especially when they're watching themselves. You know, understand how you got open, understand why you didn't get open, understand uh why the defense was rotating and how they rotated and what it is they were trying to take away from you, what it is it they wanted you to do. So that way you can, you can really understand the game and improve your, your IQ, which, is what's, which was the next thing. Yeah, and, and one thing on that, P, uh, TJ,
1: at PGC we watch film in all of our summer sessions. So and we'll, we'll do two or three classrooms a day. We talk to players, athletes all over the country about, like, student of the game and fan of the game, fans of the game. They see the big play. They only watch the ball. Students of the game, they see what, what led to the open shot, what happened here off the ball. And, and we have to, you know, we as coaches have to help train players to what to look for with the eye. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I just want to point that out as well.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that real quick just when it comes to the IQ of the game. Um, you know, you talked about LeBron James being a very high IQ player. And, you know, you can throw in other players like Steve Nash, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Um, Just talk real quick just about how how important ways that players can improve their IQ.
1: Well, one way is what we've already said, watch yourself. Mm -hmm. Study yourself, study your team, study other players, and not from the fan perspective, but from a true student of the game. And then have a better understanding of why you do what you do. And, you know, when you have the ball, when you don't have the ball, like, you know, a lot of players do what, you know, their habits are Mm -hmm. and so we work like a lot of you know there's a girls high school team recently I was working with and we were working on the ability to catch and attack the rim and create offense for themselves or teammates and a lot of them would have the whole left side of the floor open they would go right (laughs) go right not not because they didn't know they knew they knew the right decision but they didn't trust their left hand and then it closed them and so now do you go back and work on that skill? But that's IQ, that's understanding. And, you know, but there's one thing to know it and there's another thing to do it. And so you got you to gotta close the gap between what you know and what you do. And if they know they can't dribble with their left hand, are you going to go work on your game? Are you going to spend five minutes before practice just doing all left-hand dribbling? So, yeah. Yeah,
0: the IQ to me is, is so, so important if you really want – because there are players that, that play basketball and there's a, there are players that know how to play. And yes. you want to be one of those players that really that really know how to play. All right, so sports performance and nutrition. Um, what are your thoughts on that as far as making a complete player?
1: It's everything. It's a separator. I mean, if you're serious about your game, you're going to get in the weight room. Uh, here, the most simple way I can say is this. I think I believe what I'm about to say. The best players... Are the best-conditioned players?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the best players can play the whole game because they're in the best shape. Why are they in the best shape? And why are they the best player? Because they've probably been in the gym more than anybody else.
0: Right.
1: They, they, they've been in the gym more. They're in better shape. They know how to push themselves. You know, as I say, as I say that comment, I said it often. I just want to make sure I believe what I just said. Like, yeah, most players I've coached, the best players they they've been they've been in the best shape they've been in the best shape so you, you do that by pushing like i don't think you have to go out and run around a track a bunch of times you can i did that some i mean as a player i was always in the best shape on every team i played in that has nothing to do with you know genetics it has a, a decision why was i always in the best shape because in practices. And in my training, I pushed myself harder than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, everyone, and I hope that doesn't come across as, like, bragging, but my playing days are way gone, okay? Mm-hmm. I say that it's a teachable moment for, our, for other players that maybe watch this. Go push. Like, you do not have to run a ton of sprints. Just when you go play pickup ball, actually sprint every time down. Actually play defense. Don't barely cross half court. Don't, like – Oh, they're got a breakaway layup, no point in running back like what you might see in an NBA game, you know, every other game. Like, no, just run, sprint. Because I know I, I hate running. Like, I do not like it to this day. And yeah, just push yourself. I mean, that's it. That's all you gotta do.
0: All right. Well, Coach Man, I appreciate uh you spending some time with us today and giving us some some really good, really good knowledge. So I have one last bonus question for you. I didn't send this to you cuz I didn't want you to think about it. But uh-huh. it's a fun it's a fun question. Um, you're coaching and you can put together your ultimate basketball team. You can pick any player from any or any you can pick any player or players from any era, male or female, dead or alive. Who are the five players you pick? Oh
1: wow. Okay, so well, if we're trying to win, we're going to win, right? Yeah, you won the win. Okay, so Mike Jordan, Bill Russell, there's 17. And Bill Russell I can go ahead and coach. Since two of his 11 championships, he was player coach, so we'll just let him coach the team. Um, so I'll get, go with them. Um, guys, this is a good question. I don't know. I'm just going. Uh, I, I'm going to put. Am I going to put Steph on there for shooting? Let me think about this for a second. Oh, gosh, this is good. Uh, I don't want to hang this up here. Um, so I said MJ, Russell. I think I'm going to go Tim Duncan at my four. I got MJ at the two. Who do I want my three? Do I want LeBron or Kevin Durant? Gosh, I think. Do I want, like, is this LeBron that plays defense and, like, is a good leader? Or is this LeBron that, like.
0: It could be any LeBron that you want it to be.
1: Yeah, I want LeBron at his best self. Like whatever like package that together, go ahead and give me him. All right. Um, gosh, I don't have a lot of three point shooting in today's game. That's a problem. I think I might just go K D to give me yeah, I'm gonna give Kevin Durant at my three. So, so you there so we you're go
0: taking out LeBron you're gonna substitute No him. no, I put LeBron
1: at the one.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna have him run the point. And then Yeah, I'm just it. gonna have him run the point. Um
1: yeah, I'm worried about my shooting, but we're so talented and long, we nobody's gonna score on us. Cause I got, I, you know, LeBron and like when he wants to, like, yeah, elite, elite defender. Yeah, Tim Duncan, elite defender. Bill Russell, elite defender. MJ, elite defender. like every one of those guys. Kevin Durant, you know, he doesn't get credit, but he's a better defender than most people realize.
0: Yeah, yeah, you. I like that team. You you can put that team up against just about anybody. And uh you got a team that'll beat it. Um so and I and I can't pick so if I gotta pick five completely different players, I would yeah. go with um I go with Kobe Bryant. I go with Elijah One uh Kevin Garnett. And see, you got the you got the two best small four. I mean, you got LeBron playing the point. Mm-hmm. Um, see, that's if LeBron is if that's the if the, if that's the Miami Heat, LeBron. That's that's gonna be that's gonna be tough on your on my point guard. Um, I want to say Steph. Yeah. I mean, you you want to say, but yeah, uh, every guard is day so physical we're gonna isolate him every time to score. Yeah, that's 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 tough. Um, yeah, that's 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 a tough one. I don't know. I don't I don't think you can put together. We ought to create
1: some Twitter conversation on it.
0: Yeah, I can't I can't think of a squad off the top of my head right now. To, to match up with that team. Because Kevin Durant is so long. You know, you figure if you get Kevin Durant, I take LeBron James, but you got LeBron James running the point for you. So that's a and that's a that's a um prime LeBron James too. Miami Heat. LeBron James guarding somebody. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, well, Coach, man, I appreciate your time. Um, why do to tell everybody where they can find you on social media and uh, any parting advice you want to give.
1: Yeah, um, Twitter, Instagram, stay active on there, uh, at Coach Sam Allen, Coach Sam Allen. And, um, yeah, hit me up. Love to have any conversation, any coaches, players that hear this and um, want to go deeper on anything, hit me up. we would love to k- keep the conversation going. And I appreciate you, TJ, growing the game, helping me. These are always good for me, too, selfishly, because it forces me to better um, articulate my own thoughts and think deeper on, like, why I think what I think or what my truths are. So I appreciate, you know, you having me and doing what you're doing for the game.
0: All right, so that was my interview that I did with Coach Sam Allen, of Blue Collar Basketball and also of Point Guard College. I hope y'all enjoyed that. Um, I'm sure you got plenty of notes, just some – Good information. It's good to hear different thoughts and philosophies and insight from different coaches with various backgrounds and they had different experiences. So um, I'm hoping y'all are enjoying the podcast. Be sure to follow Coach Allen on Twitter and Instagram. His handle is at Coach Sam Allen. Uh, Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram It's at NBNBball. If you need anything from me or you need to contact me, um, I respond to, to direct messages. Also, if you need to send me an email, shoot me an email to info at That's info at tjonesfirm.com. If you are enjoying the podcast, if you feel like you are learning something, if you feel it's inf- insightful, if you feel like um, this is... Perfect for any player or parent or, or coach, whether it's an upcoming coach or a season coach, be sure to, to pass the word along. Share it with them. Let them know that they need to be listening. And actually, I need everybody to subscribe. So whether it's through Stitcher, whether it's through um, Google Podcasts, whether it's through Apple Podcasts, I need you to subscribe. And also, I need some five star ratings to five star ratings. Help my podcast pop up on the Uh, on the on the list for like apple Podcasts and people can see it and want to want to join in and listen Uh, so be sure to do that for me give me a five-star rating Uh, it'd be highly highly appreciated and so that is it i appreciate everybody for listening until next time y'all have a wonderful thanksgiving and thank y'all and god bless